right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of The Bonus Room. Um, I'm here with my co-host and my brother, Santi. What's up, everyone? We're here for another episode, uh, a special episode. Yes, yes, a very special episode. Uh, as you guys may know, we kind of uh, go back and forth between sports and artist profiles. And today, we have a very special artist. His name is Sequence 6. What's up, man? How are you? How's it going, guys? I'm super happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Yeah, man. So glad for you to be here because, you know, we've had a lot of different artists on. We've had rappers, we've had singers, we've had rock stars, we've had DJs, but we've never had a trance producer. Oh, so this is different. So this is going to be awesome. Um, Could you start by explaining, well, what is trance? Many of our artists, uh, many of our, uh, much of our artists may not know who, uh, what trance is. Well, I mean, to me, trance is very much an emotional genre, um, if you even want to call it a genre. Some people would just say it's a feeling. I like to go more off of that because I would say many tracks outside of trance still feel like trance to me. I think it's just all about the emotion, the melodies, just that's what makes trance trance. Gio, tell us, tell us one, how did you be, how did your producing career begin and how trance was like your selected genre? How'd that also come to play so everything kind of started with just being introduced to the music first and foremost um i mean i guess maybe not exactly because i i was always surrounded by music as a kid and i actually you know kind of dreamt of being like a front man of the band nice i think we all did singing you know (laughs) but i realized my voice was not gonna cut it and sure i could get voice lessons but like you know the passion wasn't quite there um, but I knew that I needed something really creative and, um, you know, I, I was always listening to, to sets in dance music, you know, not necessarily trance, um, like old school Afrojack and, and Calvin Harris and, Classics. you know, it, it really amazing, like stuff from like the early 2010s yeah. and, you know, my favorite artist was Dash Berlin. So oh. trance, but Till you the know, sky falls down, he hits you different. And he's such an OG in the game. He's he's still he still performs and people still come out and him and ATB, yeah, ATB above and beyond. Love above Dash and beyond. Ber- Dash Berlin, T- old school Tiesto. Because remember, Pete, he started in trance. Yeah, that before. was proper trance for sure. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, so to me, trance was actually kind of my first introduction. Well, I kind of like you know Tiffany played her like yeah uh, more techno, but then when I started to look up. Trance was like so huge in Europe. Yeah, like it was massive. I remember there's, what's it called? This white party where everyone wears white and they go. Oh, sensation. Sensation. Yeah, yeah I've always wanted to do that once in my life. I think I still need to do that. Um, <laughs> For sure. It's it's just I saw you, and this is when YouTube was barely getting up there, where like people would just post stuff, and I would when just it was two forty p quality. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and 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 I just remember that time, like like. I'll never forget my first EDC. It just changed the game. My first rave, it was a uh, monster massive, nice. and just seeing and and Dead Mouse and Cascade. It was just from like 2008 to from like t- 2008 to like 2015. E- EDM was like the biggest in the world. Like no one like hip hop was always there, but EDM was just so new and so different. The vibe, the the raves like it's it's funny because stefan just made the cut like 
he went to his first EDC. We went together. We actually went to at uh, sixteen. At yeah. sixteen, yeah. was but that when it was still at the Coliseum? Yes. The last year was at the Coliseum. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, was Lucky. Yeah. That was his first one. That was my first one. Nice. But then they raised it to I think eighteen, 18 plus, and over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he couldn't go I had anymore. I wait for two years. <laughs> I know, and, but and during that time, I was just going to all these events every single and just one. getting introduced to all these genres, and and it's just so beautiful, man. How like people could come together and from all walks of life and just listen to this type of music, and it doesn't matter what color you are or where you're from, and just everyone just enjoys the moment. There's no fights. People are just like never seen a fight. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you need water, or it, it was just. It was like a love fest. I, I told my dad, like, it's almost like a Woodstock type of vibe, mm-hmm. you know? And But trance specifically is just way different from a, any other genre. I think it's still probably the most popular up there. But the, the artists have that have come through and performed like, and like Tiesto is just, he started in trance. And so that has to has to mean something. So to me, uh, trance is not my favorite, personally. It's It's up there. But because I, I like progressive house and house more. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but trance to me, it's unique. And it, it does. And when you see a show that's in trance, it's like you just come away different. It changes you, your life. It changes. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Seeing, seeing Dash Berlin at Winter Fresh 2010, oh. I think. That's I mean, I, I think that was one of the few times I've cried <laughs> at like a show and, and they were not like they were not fake tears. Like it was it was completely genuine. And um, sorry to cut you off. I know you were talking oh, no, about you're your good. Yeah. I, I'm I'm we, very much interested yeah. in hearing all of this. <laughs> like, because yeah. you were what time? Uh, how old were you when you met Stefan? I would have been probably eleven. Oh probably. my god, he was a young kid. He was shorter than me, and now he's like six something. Wow. No, I, I think I think last time I I was measured at the at the doctor's office. I was five eleven and a half. Okay, with uh, shoes close maybe I'm a little taller, but, <laughs> See, but six yeah, feet. yeah, he's definitely so you, shorter than me though. Right. So yeah. your brother went to a lot of events, right? And how old is your brother? Uh, my brother's twenty eight. Twenty eight. Um, okay. And he's yeah, he was a raver well before me. Um, or wait, my brother's twenty nine now. Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, but yeah, uh, he was a raver, and he went to his first EDC actually the l- last year. It was the Coliseum too. Yeah. Twenty ten. We connected about. Yeah. Twenty ten. Twenty ten. And um, you know, he would you know play that kind of music in the car whenever we were going anywhere. And also Dance Dance Revolution. I don't know if you guys know that game. The game, yeah. Um, and there's so much trance on that, like so right. much. Uh, and and those tracks would just really be so special. You know, I'd feel emotions that I hadn't felt from music before. I didn't know what trance was though. I, I didn't know that was a different genre. I was just like, I don't know why these songs are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was introduced to a wide variety of sounds. And when I started producing, I was actually going for sort of like the Anjuna kind of sound. Oh. Not like old school Anjuna, right. but like the like 128 BPM, yeah. kind of like electro-inspired trance. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Um, and I was listening to uh, an Estate of Trance live stream from Utrecht, mm. and I was watching it for Dash Berlin, of course, because he was my favorite artist at the time. And the act after him, I don't remember 100% who it was, but one of the acts after him that night was Ali and Fila versus John O'Callaghan. Oh, John O'Callaghan. And I remember being like, this is the best music I have ever heard. I want to make that. I don't want to make what Dash Berlin is making. I want to make this. And so that was really a turning point for me. I started discovering artists like Simon Patterson, Brian Mm -hmm. Carney, um, Paul Van Dyke. 
uh, who I had discovered before, but I, I didn't realize that that was like his style fully. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was just enthralled. So I immediately, you know, kind of switched the path I was trying to go down with production. And I started learning a lot about like the higher BPM trance kind of stuff and, and how that was made. And I started looking into how I could just learn more about that and listen to more of that music and create something like those artists that I had just watched play this live stream. And I was just like, what is this? So that was kind of like the early introductions into, you know, what really shaped my artistry and the direction that I started going and haven't really strayed away from. Now, how'd you choose your name? So this is a really funny story. <laughs> so uh, for anybody who is listening to this podcast, I'm currently holding a water bottle. And in my house, literally my whole life, I was kind of taught Mark the water bottle because we were a hiking family, you nice. know, at, at going out places where, you know, everybody needed a bottle of water at some point And like, you didn't want to get them mixed up. Correct. So my first name starts with a G. And whenever I would write that G on this little cap, it would turn into a six. I was never able to stop it. I don't know why. And one day when I was racking my brain for a name for my music, and I tried for, you know, like probably like a year of trying to figure out something that I was really felt would work and would stick for me. Cause you know, I was a serious kid. I was like, this is going to be my name for life. And like, this has to be like <laughs> yeah. perfect. I just thought like, well, sequence sequence, like I'm working with like drum sequencers and sequences of notes and like life is just a sequence of events. And, and then I was like, but just sequence doesn't sound good enough and it's probably already taken. And then like, I remember like picking up my water bottle and I was like sequence six, but then I was like, just a letter six doesn't look as good as spelled out. So then I changed it to being sequence six with S-I-X. And then that was final. I was like, this is perfect. This is what I want. This is who I am. I haven't changed it. I have no intentions of ever changing it. That's that's who I am now, sequence six. That's great. I mean, it has alliteration in it. And, you know, and I think you're right. It looks a lot better uh, spelled out if, yeah. as opposed to if you just had the number. The first year I actually had a number. And then when oh, I needed really? a logo and I, I was like, actually starting to, you know, get opportunities in the music scene. I was like, yeah, this, this, this needs to look more professional. Like just a number six, it's, it's just not popping like it needs to. So I switched it. And did you look it up if anyone had it? Oh or? yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I actually went through a bunch of names that everybody had. Okay. Um, and like, I was like, I can't use anything that anyone has. So I remember looking it up and all that came up was Assassin's Creed. And I was like, <laughs> well, okay, cool. I'm good. So, and I like scoured everything. I even asked other artists, is anybody named sequence six? And I searched Beatport, I searched SoundCloud and I, I was, wow. I was good. So at this point, you know, I, I think I'm in the clear. So you have the name, you have the inspiration. Now, where do you go next? You find your sound or how did, how did your career continue from there? So I was really trying to develop my sound, you know, from the time I was 13 and, and sequence six came about, I think when I was like 15, um, maybe I was 14, but it was at least a year or two. And I, I was really having a hard time deciding what I wanted to sound like. Um, I knew like that Ali and Fila versus John O'Callaghan kind of sound, you know, the uplifting trance in general, but I was so inspired by a lot of the stuff in Psytrance or Tech Trance, and I just wanted to learn all of it. It was it was a new, interesting thing for me, and so, you know, I took a long time trying to develop it, and and I don't really think that I found my sound until recently, actually. Wow. Oh, wow. So I went through a lot of phases, and you can hear the differences in tracks. Like my first release, Everything to Me, very Psytrance inspired, breakdowns very uplifting, big melody, 
uh, lots of piano, big vocals, um, you know, atmospheres and just like epic hands in the air moment. But, you know, it's, it's really, it comes to the climax and it's just like this heavy Psytrance inspired drop um, with all these techie effects and, and a very technical, skilled precision um, and sample based production. Carpadium similar, but there was a little bit more melody. And, and after that, I was kind of realizing like this is so not smooth in the studio for me. This is very forced. The, the emotion and integrity is coming in with the melodies. So like, how can I really focus on that? So I really started listening to, you know, more and more uplifting trance, got super burnt out, had to take a break from music after a lot of amazing opportunities came up. And I just felt like I was hitting a roadblock. I was like, all right, I'm taking a break. I need to just step away for a bit and just reassess. And um, I realized like, Trance isn't really what I need to be making. It does come out as trance, but I can't think of it that way or else it's going to sound like everybody else because trance is very much a, a nowadays, at least there's so many trance producers and there, there's this mentality that I have seen being on, you know, the trance producer Facebook, which is not somewhere that I ever involve myself now. Um, nothing against anyone who's on there, but I, I, find myself just seeing the same formulas over and over the same kind of advice and sure it's new tools it's new sounds it's new development for how you're going to get there but you're going to come out with you know a 33 bar intro you know a, a six and a half minute track the breakdown to build up and drop and and it's only one drop and the melody's got a climax at this time and open up the cutoff and filter it down and filter it back up and and place your piano here and place your vocals here and i was like this is not it this is not for me and so I started branching out into listening to a lot of other kinds of music. And I found that I was getting the same emotions that I get from trance with a lot of other stuff too. And I was like, it's really all about finding a way for me to just create music again without thinking of it in that way. And so at this point, I think all of my tracks will still come out technically as trance, but I think of them more so as just telling a story in a way that I really feel fits the kind of energy that I'm looking for to tell that story. Oftentimes I'm not using trance sounds in my productions, the kicks. Sure. Basses usually. Um, but even so my new tracks that are coming out are produced in the exact opposite way of what I was taught by trance producers, like very little layering. It's, I mean, I remember there's a remix that I don't know when this is going to be released, but this is public knowledge at this point. <clears throat> there's a band called VNV Nation. If you're listening to this and you know who they are, that's awesome. They're amazing. <laughs> and I remixed a track of theirs called Armor. And I think that it's probably my best production to date. Um, and yeah, when I showed it to a trance producer, I said, you know, I'm, I'm questioning myself. Like this track took me a long time uh, to really call it finished. And I was like, there aren't any mid basses. I was taught you need like at least two or three preferably four. And I was like, there aren't any. And he was like, well, I don't know how that's going to work, but I'll give it a listen. He was like, I can't believe there's no mid basses. And I was like, see, this is the point. Like if I'm following a formula, it's never going to work for me mm. and it'll work for many people, but for me it won't. So I can't think of it as trance. It is trance, but I just don't think of it that way. And I think that's something, uh, that's good that you should do as an artist, because I mean, if you think about every genre, you know, Typically, the artists who just kind of follow the formulaic um, ways of making their certain genre, I mean, they tend, I mean, you can make some good stuff out of it, but they're not, they're never considered pioneers of like the people who like 
took something from that genre and recreated and even made into a subgenre. So mm-hmm. I think that's something, you know, music is always evolving, genres are always evolving, and I think that's something that you should be doing for the future. Um, is that taking inspirations from trance but also recreating something that's you and genuinely you and still evoke the same emotions that other trance music has have and yeah it's still under, it's still under the umbrella of trance right, yeah. but you you may just recreate your own subgenre of, uh, of trance you know and that's important as and an that's artist. important yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like i'm i very much don't listen to trance often anymore Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I do, I guess, often in the sense that I have a radio show that I run and I play trance music on it. Mm-hmm. Not only trance. I play techno, house, okay. uh, occasionally, sometimes breaks, and, and oh. really just whatever whatever catches my ears. I'm in, like In the moment. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, if anybody wants to send me promos listening to this, it's sequence6music at gmail.com. Um, I'll Perfect. listen to anything, you know, it doesn't what, matter what, what radio station is it? Uh, so I just run it on, on my SoundCloud. It used to be oh, on a radio gotcha, station. Gotcha, so I guess okay. maybe it's technically called a podcast, but, oh, okay. Um, okay. either way, it's just music. I know nice. podcast is speaking too. So right. I don't know if it's the technical terms, but, but <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I run a above and beyond. They have their like podcast. That's basically a radio station. Was it group therapy? Yeah. I yeah, think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, they still run that. It's, yeah, it's still, a great show. Yeah. yeah. So, so I do that on SoundCloud. Um, and you know, I've been thinking about, you know, trying to get it somewhere else, but I, you know, SoundCloud has been very like steady for me. So I do that. And like, that's really when I'm, when I'm checking out trance music. Um, there's artists that I follow who are trance like solar stone. Absolutely love solar stone. Brian Carney, always following mm-hmm. him. Simon Patterson, always following him. Um, but ultimately like I listen to a lot of indie singer songwriter stuff. Synthwave nice. is my favorite genre though. That's where oh, I get my okay. most inspiration on right. um, bands like the midnight yeah. artists like time cop 1983. I I've remixed both of them actually. Um, you know, my t- remix of time cop 1983 is like one of my favorite things I've done. That's, <laughs> that's like that's exactly the kind of sound that, that I really love uh, creating. And it's, it's sort of like bridging all these genres together. You know, mm. I, I want that creativity and like, I, that's that's what I want to listen to outside of it. Like I, I, because I'm steeped in you know dance music every day. I like to have something different to bring my inspiration musically, you know, and and and, and sound choice and writing and arrangement. All that inspiration usually comes from outside of trance and oftentimes outside of dance music. Yeah, I was just about to say that um, some of the best musicians have a very eclectic musical taste. Like they like everything, you know. Um, even you think about guys like Elvis who loved the blues and mm-hmm. who love funk and who loved all these different types of genres and so oh, it's very cool. it's very yeah, it's yeah. very common for, for, for musicians, for really good musicians to, you know, search outside their genre. Because if you just stay in that realm all the time you can you can be very you can be overwhelmed at times, you know. Repetitive. And, yeah, it can be repetitive. Take us through your creative process. How does it begin? It's different every time. But okay. um you know, I think ultimately it all starts with a story that I want to tell or rather a story that needs to be told, I mm-hmm. guess. I went through this phase of like trying to tell specific stories with my music, trying to get this specific vibe out there. And it never worked um, in terms of like wanting to be like another artist. So it's more about at this point really tapping into a space of like, what is it that I'm feeling in this moment in, in the real world? I, I get my inspiration from going out into the world and experiencing things. So I'll give a real life example here. I wrote a track a few years ago called Carpe Diem. And it's actually inspired by my prom. 
Really? Um, yeah. So I went with a group of friends. I didn't have like a legit prom date. And, um, you know, I think a few people in the group did, but a lot of us were just going as a group of friends and, uh, it was held at like Gene Autry museum. I think nice. it was like a super cool setup. Yeah. And, you know, as a producer then, you know, I'm like so critical of music, but I had to let that go. Cause like all this music that's being played is like so typical, but yeah. I felt like I was able to tap into this like youthful joy and like, kind of like just being a fun high school kid with their friends for the first time in a while. You know, I've always been a very serious person. So getting out of that space and just having this normal teen experience, that really brought me such a sense of like carefree, happy party vibe that I wanted to create something that sounded like that felt. And so the next day I sat down in the studio and I did my best to tap into those memories and try to write something that brought out those same feelings. Oftentimes, the commonality between track to track is thinking of things visually. Like, I see what I want something to sound like. I'll write a track where I want the melodies to sound like a sunset because they're soft, a sunset. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's like this right. beautiful, soft, pastel color, like you see in Santa Monica so often. Like I right. saw yesterday, <laughs> you know, I, I actually wrote a melody that it reminds me of that. So, nice. It's all about like the tones that kind of overlap between color, sight, sound. It's tapping into all of my senses and just trying to create a real life experience in an audible form. That's pretty cool because I've seen a lot of interviews of different artists and the way you describe things, how like how you're feeling a certain day or in a moment, you turn that into a song the next day. That's like like you're living the moment and then you're making music. So your music lives with you like throughout like the different times you're going because i saw one of your songs you created it's about a girl yeah i her. saw that for her yeah and i think that song is so good thank and, you and i and i read the, your post and how like thank you for being my muse at that moment and she was an inspiration to that track yeah and i thought that was great so i was like now me seeing that now you talk about is it, like oh wow you're really living in the moment with your music so that, that to me is just amazing and, and trance is such an emotional genre. So emotional. It's a it's a very emotional genre. You know, growing up um, around the dance scene, uh, the trance stage was always a different kind of stage from oh. everything else. Like it, it was very unique. The people who cry. were there unique. Yeah, you could, yes, you would see people like very emotionally touched yeah. by that music. And every time I was there, I was like, "Dang, this is this is pretty cool." <laughs> like I was, you know, emotionally fulfilled myself. Um, way different from dubstep and hard style. Oh, huh? very different. <laughs> <laughs> very different. I mean, but that's what that's what's cool about dance music in general is that every genre can kind of have it its own vibe and it taps into like different emotions. And I think what trance does so beautifully is it really touches upon like the simple and beautiful things in life. As you said, a sunset mm. over the Santa Monica Mountains or um, the grace of a woman, things like that. Like. I can't imagine a song like like about a sunset and dubstep. Maybe there is one out maybe, there, yeah. maybe, but I can't imagine one right now mm -hmm. because of how rough it is. Yeah. Um, but for trance, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but that's awesome. Because, uh, you know, I think I kind of had a similar... Um, I was kind of very serious growing up as well. And I think as a teenager, you know, something like prom, something that's only going to happen once in your life, you know, and something that's romanticized in movies and television. I think it was good for you in that moment to really let go and you know live life to the fullest carpe diem you know and, exactly and enjoy that moment in your life because you're probably you're 
you wouldn't ever get it again. And so the fact that you made a song from that is amazing. And I'm sure so many people can connect with that as well, you know, um, of just letting go, letting go of like insecurities, letting go of anxieties and doubts and just like enjoying moments for what they are even if you're just listening to top 40 music for three hours exactly (laughs) because it's about the company that you're with but i want to touch on something that you said because it's it's something that i think is really important Mm -hmm. you said something like prom that only happens in your life once but everything only happens in your life once if you really think about it like this moment right now this this moment is only ever going to happen once even if i do 20 more podcasts with you guys this specific moment like Mm -hmm. that last word that's never happening again true and that is something that's really important for me to hold on to as a human being. And I think that that's really shaped the way that I live my life and the way that I create. Um, It's about being present and realizing that everything does mean something. And it doesn't have to be a daunting thing that like, oh, that word that I said, that's going to bring me anxiety for years to come that I said that to that person. It was awkward. You know, we've all been there, but I mean it in a sense of like, just because it's simple and mundane and you do it every day, doesn't mean that you shouldn't be present and and see the beauty in it and see the importance. Like you may water the flowers every day if you have a garden, but if you missed weeks just because, you know, it's a normal thing, those flowers would die. Right. So all of those little tiny things that you do every day, those can be the biggest inspirations in life. So then when you take these moments in your life and you transform them into like musical melodies or rhythms, um, do you start with a rhythm? Do you start with a melody? Do you start with a chord progression? What's, or does it just depend? Um, usually there's a melody first. So okay. I'll be doing something and a melody will just come into my mind okay. and I'll sit down immediately. I like, I'll drop whatever I'm doing and like run to the studio cause I have a home studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just write it down, uh, you know, and, and make that melody And then once it's out of my head, it'll usually just go into a folder and sit until the time is right to make that track. Um, When I'm actually producing a record, I've I've tried a lot of different methods. And I find, honestly, that it's best to start with kick and bass for me. Um, So, you know, getting a solid foundation that sounds really, really good um, in terms of the production side of things, that's always the place that I want to start. But in terms of writing, it nine times out of ten starts with a melody. And I'm end goal going to get there. Unless I'm working on a remix, in which case, you know, that's a totally different process. I'm picking up on things in the track that I'm wanting to remix and then trying to recreate those, sample those, or, or put my own spin on it. So the creative process there is usually a little bit more crazy and all over the place. But yeah, usually melody written down into a folder and then start with kick and bass and start building the track almost like in the way that it's going to be heard. Sort of like start to finish, I want to build the track ideally so that I'm getting like a sense of how it's developing in real time, sort of like when you're listening to the song, like this is how it starts, but how am I going to get here and here and here and here? So So you don't just start with a bridge. You start from the beginning and then you build your way up to the chorus and everything. Yeah, but usually the climax melody, the the hook of the track is already written. Okay. Um, But I just have to then start writing and producing sort of from bar one um, after I've written that melody. Uh, do vocals when is when does that come in so it depends a lot of my tracks are you know instrumental and right. so the vocals are just uh you know atmospheres mm-hmm. so those usually come in a lot later though um actually i do have a vocal track coming out in december 
Um, and it's called Holding On. It's with a vocalist named That Girl. Uh, she's from South Africa, and uh, wow. we connected. I heard one of her tracks on a label called Pure Trance, and I contacted her and was like, I want to work with you. And she was like, yes, absolutely. So um, she asked for an instrumental track so that she could sing over it. But the process there was a little bit more personal than just that. We, we had some FaceTime calls and just talked about life, what inspires us, what kind of was happening in my life when I wrote that instrumental. Um, and we connected on, you know, a human to human level and artist to artist level. And then she wrote a track and actually used like, I feel like she said things in the lyrics that were topics that we touched on in the conversation. So it was like this very interesting collaborative process that I haven't experienced before, but the vocals were written after the instrumental. At that point, I actually went and I stripped out about 50% of the stuff that I'd done so that her vocals would really shine. Nice. And then I re like mixed down the track changed a few elements and uh, at that point it, it actually ended with like piano and there's going to be a version release that does end it's the actual original mix uh, but I had to create an extended mix for all the DJs so that process was thank you for that by the way uh, oh you are welcome you are welcome anytime um, so always need the extended yeah it's true uh, yeah. you got to be able to mix out yeah. Um, but yeah so that process was you know a little bit different but going forward um, I would like to start with vocals, honestly, because it was a little tough. I, I'm very much about tone being like a like a puzzle. Everything has to fit together perfectly. Right. And it was hard to do that having already created a track. So ideally, I'd like to just have a chord structure, send it to a vocalist, and build around. Yeah, it. yeah, nice. that would be the ideal. But I haven't had a chance to do that yet. So 2023 is going to be the year of a lot more vocal tracks for me. Uh, so hopefully nice. that process will, you know align with other artists and I'll be able to make that happen. I'm, I'm really excited for that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've actually been writing some lyrics myself. Um, so okay. I'm, I'm hoping to get some of those uh, finished and, and get some vocalists to, to sing them as well. Because, you know, that's always been a goal of mine is to like write everything from scratch as well. You know, I, I do with all of my instrumentals, um, but with vocals, you know, it's it's a little bit daunting for me because I'm not really known as a lyricist. So right. that self-criticism comes in, but I'm, I'm pushing myself and I, I've got one in the works that I'm, I'm really proud of that I'm hoping to get finished off to, to premiere at some upcoming shows. So that's awesome, man. It, Cause I mean, writing lyrics is a whole nother realm of music making. And it's like, not only are you a musician, but now you have to become a poet. So it's, it's completely different and it's very, very daunting. Um, so to hear you take that on now, I mean, that's just another, you know, another, another notch on your belt as a musician once you're able to like master that. And I think it will benefit you in the long run greatly. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, it hasn't been quite as scary as I thought. The lyrics actually come quite fast. Like I, I mean, I, I wrote one in like, I don't know, like five, 10 minutes. And then really? I was like, then all the self criticism came in. And that's like <laughs> a, you know, a thing for me, I, I'm very hard on myself uh, and yeah. it's something that I'm working on a lot. Um, cause you know, I, I need to to be a little bit more compassionate towards myself. But like, I, I'm gonna, at this point, you know, show it to a few artists and, and just get their take. Um, you know, people that already write lyrics and get some feedback before like anything's finalized. But, um, you know, I think I'm in a pretty good place there, you know. Now, do you remember your first show that you attended? Like how old were you when you attended your first show? I was 13. Oh, um, wow, okay. And I had like, so I started producing when I was 12 then. Wait a minute. Oh, wow. I've been given the wrong information. You were young, I was 12 when I started producing because I my first show was Dash Berlin in Las Vegas, the Cosmopolitan. Wow. I got in because it was the EDM Biz Conference, and the EDM Biz Conference was all ages. All ages. So it was an after party <laughs> in the pool 
of the Cosmopolitan. The pool was emptied out because it was night. Yeah. And it had like an early curfew for Vegas. I think it was like 1.30 a.m. Um, and yeah, that was my that was my first show that I ever attended. I got to see my favorite artist at the time. I got to meet him. No way. Um, you got to meet him I got his email. I got to send him my music. What? Um, what, what? And like, Okay, you got to break this down. You met <laughs> Dash Berlin. Yeah. You got his email. And like, was your brother with you or you're doing this all my at 12? My mom dropped me. Like brought brought me up there and went to the show with me. Oh, she was there with you. Yes. Okay. Now was this at like Marquee? What it is now? Like that pool was this? I I know they have a separate pool too. It was it was the pool pool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like the, hotel, the rooftop, pool. the hotel. Wow. Okay. okay. Marquee's not even built yet. I think. No. That's it, why. it the Marquee was there because okay, there was that, and then there was an after party at the Marquee that I oh, couldn't go to. Of course. Okay. That makes but sense. But like okay. Dash Berlin, um, like Jeff just like waited to meet people. Like okay. he was Meet just super fans. chill, yeah, and yeah, yeah. so I just waited after sex. He uh-huh. closed, and you know, just came down, and there was a line, and I waited, got to meet him. And you're with your mom in yeah. line, yeah. And then you're coming, and and Dash Berlin's right here. So what's the what's the first thing you say to Jazz Dash Berlin? I was just like Jeff, it's so good to meet you. <laughs> oh, you said it by his first name. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Um, you know, I, I think it's important, like meeting artists that like. Not necessarily important. Like, I wouldn't care if somebody just came up to me and was like, sequence six. That's happened. And that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I, I like, you know, knowing somebody's name. Like, that's that's personal. That's, like, yeah. they know, like, that you're not just a fan of their music. Like, you, you know who they are and you're excited As a person. to meet them. And, yeah. And so, you know, I I you just remember saying how big of an inspiration he was to me. And, that, yeah. like, I'm, I'm starting out in production. I'd, I'd love to be able to send my music, you know. And so he was like, yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, send it over to this email. If it's good, I'll reply. And <laughs> he, he told you straight out. And you're yeah. 13 years old. Yeah, he was like, we need people <laughs> like you. Like, you're the next generation. Yeah. So, like, keep That's at it. So like, cool. don't get discouraged. Just keep going. And it took years for him to reply. But actually, <laughs> I got a reply from him on a track a couple years ago. And he was like, this is great. And I was like, yes. That's awesome. Yes. So, you know, he's a, he's a very nice guy. Um, but yeah, that was, that was my first show. And then, oh, yeah. yikes. uh, almost knocked the mic over, but I think we're good. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, after that, like a few weeks later, I actually, um, I don't know if anybody listening to this or you two are familiar with, uh, the brand K Lynn events, K dash L I N Fresno, California. Okay. Well, we um, know Fresno. We, we have family from there. Okay. My cool. mom went to Fresno state. So she's a bulldog. <laughs> Very nice. So, uh, and our grandmother still lives in Fresno. So we have a lot of family in Fresno. So, so. you know, the Fresno fairgrounds. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's of course. where those events used to be held. Now he holds them at, he owns a club called mint. Uh, and then there's also, he does stuff or at least used to at Chuck Chansey stadium. That's where I played for Kaylin. Okay. That was my first show. Wow. Nice. Kaylin, uh, electric Daisy carnival he put on and I, I played, uh, two years of that festival actually. Um, but where was I going with this? Oh yeah. Uh, just a few weeks after I saw Dash Berlin, I went to Fresno cause those shows were, um, very low key. Like if you were there with like a guardian, like yeah. there weren't really any questions asked at that point cause it was super chill. And, um, you know, they were proper underground raves in the fairgrounds. Correct. And I went up there and saw protoculture and Sebastian Brandt. Um, and a guy called emerge. I don't know if he's still making music, but you know, even if he isn't, you guys should check his stuff out. Cause like, that's like proper, like progressive trance, like really great producer, right. that guy. Um, but yeah, and that was like more exposure to kind of like the 140 side of things like 140 BPM, like Sebastian nice. Brandt, absolute legend, incredible. And, and really just like getting to go to those shows and see the vibe that helped me develop my sound as well. In right. a general sense, I was like, what works, what doesn't like, even though I was very much like a raver, 
and like a kid too, like I was still thinking like critically, like why is it that these tracks are making people dance? Like what are the, the individual aspects that make this track work? Um, and you know, I, I still find myself doing that pretty much at every show. Um, but you know, that was just kind of like the development from, you know, going from event to event. And I would go up to Fresno with my brother. Like he would take me up there every time there was a good show for years when I was underage because wow. I could get in. And then one day they became 18 plus and I was really disappointed. And I remember talking to Kaylin and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm really sorry. Like there's nothing that I can do. And then he threw a DJ competition to win. And I messaged him and I was like, hey, I know it's legal that I can play if I win this. So can I enter? He was like, yeah, go for it. Uh, I'm rooting for you. So I literally, I remember going to the Glendo Galleria and like to <laughs> like random places. I would ask people on the street, like, would you please vote for me? Like, this is my biggest dream is to play this festival. I've been producing for years, blah, blah, blah. I won. Nice. And I got to play what? the show. And it was like the greatest experience for me. And that was really like the start of my career. My first ever show was playing at a festival in a baseball stadium. Like it was so sick. And so that like just entire process, I I think kind of goes hand in hand with like also with networking and like meeting the right people. If you put yourself out there and, and you really are like determined you'll eventually get to where you need to be and you'll find the right people. And maybe you'll bump into some wrong ones along the way. Correct. Um, But you know, ultimately you're, it's all about just walking down a path and navigating things and, and, and just, you will, you will end up on the right path eventually, you know, with the right mindset and determination. And like, I think that's exactly what happened for me. You know, it was kind of just a domino effect of, you know, being willing to kind of like step out of my shell. Like what you were saying, like when I first met you, Stefan, I was super shy and like at heart, I'm, I'm quite introverted and I need like alone time and, and, Mm. and my space to myself. And it's hard for me to be assertive. It's hard for me to be vulnerable. I'm like always a little bit scared. Mm. Um, but you know, I think just like music and in general, like having to put myself in that space really helped me break out of that and, and kind of like develop this career and and the, the sound that I have. So you played your, so how old were you when you played your first show? I was 15. You're 15. Yeah. And I love how your mom and your brother were so supportive being there with you and, and you had the guts to go to the Glendale Galleria and ask people to vote for me. Like most kids your age are playing Call of Duty, Mortal Kombat, just bullshitting. But you had this dream and you believed in yourself so much that it actually happened. And your first performance was at the place where you wanted to perform at a baseball stadium. So it's like to me, I'm blown away where it's like this has to be like the algorithm where like Maddion and Porter Robinson and Audion did as kids because you have a vision. So if you had this vision for a long time then being a major artist and performing like that. So I'm just blown away. I had no idea that this was part of your story right here. And I think this is so cool that, that you're talking about and you're actually living it and, and you're only 21 right now. Yeah. So yeah. It's like, and I actually, I kept my age a secret. So this is something that I, I would love to, to share. I will, I, I look back and I'm just like really surprised by, by some of the things that happened because, you know, after that, when I played that show, yeah. somebody was there and they were like, I want to book you in Phoenix, Arizona. Somehow, somehow someone said, and I know that this was not intentional. People just make their assumptions, but 
me being a 15 year old kid, I was like, I have to look old enough. And I, I guess just, I was blessed with the genes to grow a, a decent beard pretty early <laughs> on. So I had a beard, um, at 15 playing the show so I could look older. Somebody said I was 24. Oh, no idea why, no idea how. <laughs> so I ended up, that was just something that I never, I never said. If anybody asked me, how old are you? I would say, I prefer not to say. Like, I, I, I just, I don't want anyone to judge me based off of my age for my music. You know, they're like, I know you're young. And I'm like, yeah, so that's why I'm not going to say anything. Like, and sometimes people thought I was an asshole because of it. But I was like, I have to protect myself and I have to protect other people because there might be people that do know I'm underage and like, I don't want to cause anybody issues. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. So I did my best to get into events that, uh, you know, I, I could get into, um, that I wasn't supposed to be at. So, uh, you know, I, I was sneaking into 21 plus clubs at 16 and, and, you know, meeting artists, networking with people and, you know, I did my best. I I ended up getting a fake ID uh, that said I was 18. It said I was 18, Sick. so it wasn't 21. So that if I got caught, nobody could say I was buying alcohol. Unfortunately, I got caught at Dream State. I got in day one, and I didn't get in day two. And, you know, the interesting thing about this is, like, I – I was so determined looking back, like I'm like 16, like I have to be 18, not so that I can like go party, not so I can go do drugs, yeah. not so I can drink. I'm literally like, I have to build my career. Yeah. Like I want to keep on this momentum. I'm going to like make sure that like the worst that could happen is a fine and community service. <laughs> and like, I'm going to go like do my best to network with these artists and these promoters. And, you know, I'm so grateful that I did because, like, I made so many connections with people all over the world and really started building this career and meeting people that I would have never met. And I didn't tell them anything until after the fact. Like, I just made it public my age. Very few people knew until I played on my 21st birthday at Exchange, actually, in L.A. And, like, I, I was, like, literally only able to play that show because I had turned 21 30 minutes before my set. <laughs> so, so like cool. this so I, cool. I look back and I'm like it goes back to something I said earlier like everything means something everything adds up all those little moments like that all made me who I am today that all shaped me that all inspired me that all gave me the opportunities to meet the incredible people that I've met and make those connections and, and actually be able to build a fan base so that I could come into the scene even more so as a 21 year old who's you know actually being able to play these shows like i'm playing in new york at the brooklyn monarch in november and i'm playing in la again um at a warehouse party in downtown la on november 12th um the week before dream state so you know these these opportunities you know I, i've met people along the way just from from at this point now that i'm 21 like from all the networking experiences of getting myself out of my shell through these like slightly risky situations mm -hmm. that i put myself in as like a teenager and so, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful to myself for pushing myself so hard. And I'm also incredibly grateful to my family. Like, they've always been so supportive. My mom, Great. my brother, my dad, um, you know, and, and, and my friends, too. You know, I've had people that have really just backed me 100%. And, you know, I'm just super grateful I wouldn't be here without any of them. It's very rock and roll for him to be sneaking into these clubs and uh, at an early <laughs> age. Very rock and roll. And it's like, it's like business for him. And it's like, oh, so when you get in, because... You're just trying to get in there. Were you trying to get backstage as well? Because uh, that's a whole nother so realm. So I couldn't really sneak into some of the clubs that had that. I had okay. to do more low-key stuff. So thankfully, Got, you know, yeah. it was trance that I'm trying to get into because a lot of those artists, they don't really give a shit about the, you know, uh, the 
super frilly or, or backstage stuff. They're, they're like, you know, this isn't, you know, they're accessible. Glitz and glam. Yeah. yeah. Good, good. And, and like, they're willing to play these dirty undergrounds. Um, <laughs> even if it is 21 plus like garage gallery. Um, I don't know if either of you have heard of that place. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool venue. Um, I, I would sneak in there pretty much on a monthly basis whenever there was a trance night. And like, I would wait outside until the security, like just left his post like 20 minutes before oh I'd make any excuse to get into that club. I'd like run in and see the owner. I'd be like, Oh, it was raining outside. I, 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 I didn't want to wait out. I, I didn't drive here. Like I took a lift. Like, is there any way I can just like use the restroom? I'll just wait out here. Like it's uh, just, you know, and I would be able to do this. And eventually after a couple of times, owner knew who I was. And so if I didn't get my ID checked, it was no big deal. And I was like, if I can kind of navigate that and know enough people, then I was like, oh, I forgot my ID. Can anybody kind of sort this out? And, um, you know, that I was able to do. Uh, and I almost got caught at Spin in San Diego. I, I navigated that situation in a very difficult way, but I got myself in. Like I was ended up, I mean, I kind of feel bad about it, but it, it was a great time. And I, I was able to connect with a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of got people to lie about my age without ever saying it because I claimed that I'd forgotten my ID, showed them photos of me at Garage Gallery, the 21 plus club in LA. I came down here and I, I just lost my ID and I had no way to go to the DMV and get a new one. And like eventually after this whole storytelling, like people were like, well, I mean, he was at that club. Like I saw him there. And then the owner's like, okay, okay like fine, I'll let you in. And like, it's these situations where I, I'm standing there like trying to hide my anxiety, but it's all worth it because like I know I'm going to be able to get in. I'm going to be able to talk to these artists and I'm going to be able to make these connections. And I made sure that I was super considerate and didn't step on anybody's toes. I never drank. I never got fucked up. I don't drink and I don't do drugs. And like I, I never told anybody my age so that they wouldn't get in trouble if anything happened. Correct. because I didn't want to cause any issues. I just wanted to be at smooth sailing as much as possible. And I was just focused on getting my career rolling, you know? And so looking back, I, I can't believe it that I did all that, but I'm, I'm grateful, you know, it's, it's really shaped everything for me. And I think that's really important um, because of your intention behind trying to get into these clubs. Like you said, you weren't trying to go in there and get fucked up and get drunk or make a fool of yourself. Like you most were, people are. It, yeah. was, <laughs> it was a business trip. He was in there trying to network. To network. And, and elaborate on that because a lot of musicians and artists feel that, you know, networking or the business side of things isn't as important because they they believe as long as I just make good art, eventually someone will find it. But they don't understand the importance of networking and, you know, having people kind of um, vouch for your artistry. Yeah. I mean, if you make good art and you have good intentions, I do believe people will eventually find it. But your timeline and route there is going to be very different. The amount of times that I've met artists who I've sent music to and they say, I've seen your email. I didn't listen. But now that I've met you, I'll make sure that I listen. Like, I didn't understand until I started getting like 100 promos a week. And then I was like, oh, okay. Like, I understand, like, I don't have a tour schedule, like, but these people do, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not touring all year. Like, but they are, they're playing a show a week, two shows a week, three shows a week, four shows a week. They don't have time to look at everything that they're sent, but they might see the name come in. And then when you meet them in person, they'll remember you and be like, oh, okay. So you took the time out of your day. You know who I am. 
you you're sending this to me with intentions of me hearing it not just any artist and i think that that is super important for people to understand is that if you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone put yourself out there and maybe that is your comfort zone putting yourself out there you're a social butterfly that's awesome um you know like do that and artists will respect you for it. I was told so many times, don't talk music with them. Like just try to be casual and like kind of then ease into it. And I was like, they don't have time for that. Like there's so many people trying to meet them. I'm like, hey, I'm serious about this. Please just give me like two minutes. I just want to talk to you. And the outcome was amazing. I got so many artists emails. I was able to connect with so many people. And I don't think that that's special to me. I think it's just that if you put yourself out there and you show people that you're legit serious about it, they will take you seriously. You have to do that as an artist, I think. That's 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 guts. Like, because you say you're more of an introvert, would you say? Like, I mean, yeah, at, at my at my core for sure. At your core for sure. So you had to step outside your comfort comfort zone. Totally. Look at these artists in the eyes and like just be authentic with them and be like, hey. Where, like, for me, I think that's, I like doing stuff like that. I feel like I am sometimes a social butterfly. I like meeting new people, hearing their story, and talking to them. And so, to me, it's like, oh, that's that's the fun part. But for people that are introverts, that that just, like, well, as long as I create music, I'll get noticed. But then there's a whole si- another side to the business where it's like, you got if you don't have a team already with you, um, you got to step up and showcase yourselves. I I think it takes a lot of guts, man, and I respect you for that. And that's just amazing. You just, you have the will, and you have a, you have a vision. You just like, you're relentless. Like it's gonna, it's, nothing's gonna stop me. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna network and I'm gonna meet this artist, and then it happens. Like you say it, you put it out, you put it out into the universe, and then it happens. You know. So yeah, I just, <laughs> I just can't believe like you did all this starting at such such a young age, and then it's like it's growing, and like to me. Like to the rest of the world, you're still a baby. Like you just yeah. became, you just turned <laughs> yeah. 21, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like you're still like a baby to like the world. And but for you, it's like you've been doing this for a while now. Like it's almost a decade, right? You're almost a decade, like almost like nine, yeah. eight years in. Yeah, it'll be nine years in December. Exactly. So it's like you got a whole nother decade of your career that you're just gonna grow and learn from, and it's just. I'm just excited to see Thank where you. you're gonna become, bro, and 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 who you're gonna and what you're gonna do, and, and just I gotta give it up to you, man. It takes a lot of guts to like go to Dash Berlin at 13 years old. <laughs> let me get your email. Like what? Like, dude, I, I met Wolfgang Gardner at 23, and I was stuttering when I right. Met him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I was nervous as heck meeting Wolfgang. Um, that's awesome, man. That's 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 pretty sick, man. To see how far you've come in a short amount of time, especially um especially how much potential you have for the future because you have like time is on your side and you know and you've already had this like huge amount of experience where it's only going to make you even better um but i want you to talk a little bit about your experience in the music industry so far Mm -hmm. like what has that been like uh it's been very interesting you know i i think like about that question oftentimes i would want to talk sort of about like what i just talked about in a way i think it connects like it was bizarre for me as a as a young like teenager and like you know, trying to navigate this and like meeting people where I couldn't really fully be myself because if I was, I would be like, yeah, I've, I've never seen any of these artists. I don't know any of these people that you're talking about. And it felt a little inauthentic and hard for me to feel like, okay about being there sometimes because like, I felt like I was maybe intruding, but I realized that that was really just a projection because like, Nobody was really judging me for anything. 
you know, it, it was a, but it was, it was bizarre for me. Cause I was like, I'm trying to navigate this without being fully transparent. And like, is that okay? Cause I'm a very transparent person. So, you know, that aside though, I think it's overall been very positive. I've realized that intuition is a really important thing for me. I can really trust my intuition if I can tap into it and uh, not let all of the anxiety or, or second guessing overpower it. And I think that when I have met people where I've had a really good first impression, I've really clicked with them and I felt like, you know, like this person could be really beneficial for me. Um, and that sounds very transactional, but you know, sometimes, sometimes that is all that it is. That's how it is. Yeah, yeah. Other times it's like, this person is like, someone who is my person in a way, you know, and like that has definitely been true, um, at times. And like, I think just like trying to tap into that, trying to trust that. And also being very patient has helped me, you know, uh, not taking opportunities that are well below my worth. I think valuing myself is something incredibly difficult for me. Um, that's, that's a huge thing I'm working on, um, in, in my personal life, uh, and in my career too, you know, um, I, I, I have to value myself, as worthy of all the things that I want. Um, and even if at times I don't feel it, I have to act knowing that that is the best decision for me. And I've been offered gigs where I have to, you know, sell X amount of tickets. I don't think that's any way to treat an artist. So like not using those opportunities. I mean, are they even opportunities? Like I won't do that because to me, that's trying to get an artist who will do whatever you tell them as a promoter just so that they can have their name on a lineup and they'll play what you want them to play. I will only play if it's my music. I can play what I want. I want to be booked for me and having that standard set, even when I didn't fully believe that I was worthy of that, I think is the only reason that I've gotten the, the recognition by certain people that I've gotten because when they've never heard of me and I say, I am not an opening DJ and I will take fewer gigs just so that I can prove that that I think has been a great way for me to navigate the industry because people who aren't willing to take me seriously, they'll, they'll move away. They'll step aside and someday maybe they'll come back someday. Maybe they won't, but I have been able to stay true to myself. And that's been the most important thing for me because it's gotten me the opportunities that truly mean something and allow me to showcase myself and not just a vision somebody has for me. You know, that's a, that's a very interesting strategy because a lot of musicians um, take what they could get. They take anything they can get, yeah. whether that's selling 20 tickets, like, because I've come across those kind of gigs too. Like, oh, yeah, you could play my little room, but you got to sell like 50 tickets. Yeah. What's your five year plan for now that you're 21? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Touring the world. World tour. Yes. Not necessarily all at once. That seems like a lot. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, 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 I see within five years being a touring world touring DJ, international tour. You know, that's that's the goal. So how would you describe your brand and how would you describe your fan base? So I think the brand identity is really starting in 2023. And I don't want to say too much just yet, but I will be getting some merch out there in the beginning of 2023. And I'm just really excited to be developing something that I feel is new and different and something that can start a conversation, something that really isn't just a simple logo tee, um, something that isn't just going to be, oh, that's sequence six. It's something that means a little bit more, something that's a little bit more personal to me and something that, that touches on a lot of different subjects that I think we all experience 
all, all things that are, that are, it's all about what's at the core of, of being human. What, what is it that I think, you know, I value and I'm trying to instill in my music. <clears throat> presence is one of those things, being very present. And so I want to focus on that in terms of my entire brand. And, you know, I want to want to interact more with fans and, and do more interactive social media posts, try to get conversations started about, you know, why people are doing what they're doing in their lives and, and how they can really just feel more accepting and loving and compassionate towards themselves. I, I want to really focus on that because that's something that I'm working on and I want to attract the kind of people that will benefit from the music that I'm about to write and release, which is very much, um, I think, what's going to happen with the fan base that I already have. They're all very passionate, very insightful, authentic, joyful, and and open. And, and the conversations I've been able to have with people, the vulnerability that people have, it's been so inspiring to me. So I, I want to just continue playing off that inspiration, that mutual inspiration that I, I know we both get from each other. And, and really build that into a brand that they can be part of. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> exciting. That's, that's something yeah. I haven't heard before. So you're, you're basically your whole brand and your apparel is going to be about your fans and it's going to be very passionate and it's going to reflect them in a way. It's going to be unique. Yeah. yeah. How is it when you meet your fans? Like, what do they tell you? Like, how is it for you? Like, do you get nervous meeting them? Like, how, how is it? I mean, I, I'm just always so excited. I, I mean, <laughs> I remember, you know, I, I was at EDC um, in October and this guy just came running up to me in, in, in the dream state tent in like a crowd of thousands and thousands of people. And he was like, oh, my God, you're sequence six. Like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe I'm finally getting to meet you. And I was just like smiling from ear to ear like I am right now, just remembering it. It's like for me, those moments, I'm like. I really am making a difference. I really am impacting people. And for me, it, it's not about necessarily becoming famous. I want the recognition because I want to know that I'm impacting people in a positive way. Because when when I get that recognition, when I when I know that somebody has been touched by what I wrote, like I know that all of those dreams that I have are coming true. Like that is a dream come true for me. Just having that one fan come up to me means the world because I know that what I'm doing means something. So for me, it's just all joy. That's so cool. Yeah, I was at that EDC. Wasn't that such a cool EDC? The weather was perfect. Yeah. It wasn't too packed. I enjoyed myself. Like, And so he literally just ran up to you and said, you're sequence six. Yeah, he was like, you're sequence six. Oh my God, I can't believe I get to meet you. And he was saying like, you know, your music is so amazing. Like you're a big inspiration to me. Like, and he gave me this ginormous candy cuff. Like <laughs> it was the most beautiful thing. I have it in my studio. Um, I actually keep any fans that give me candy. I keep Great. it in my studio as like reminders of, of their passion and their love and joy. And actually um, this one fan that I have, Christina, if you're listening to this, hi, Christina. Thank nice. you for all your support. Um, she gave me a bracelet that says you are enough. And I, I look at that every day that I'm in the studio and you know, it, it's moments like that where I'm like, it, it, these interactions, they, they shape the way that I make my music, mm. the, the, the reminders that I have for myself when, when I'm, you know, sitting in the studio creating or lack thereof when I'm just, you know, kind of stumped and don't know what to do. And I look at that and I'm like, people gave this to me because of the art that I'm providing. And you know, that, that is, I, I couldn't ask for more than that. 
that's that's what I've always wanted to be able to do is just give something that people are, are, are truly joyful about and impacted by that that you know helps them in their day to day and and something that they look forward to listening to yeah and I think that's um that's the most beautiful thing about art in general is that um, something can change your life whether it's a photo a painting a song like there's things that have like large effects on people and their emotions and their lives and you know we hold those things near and dear to our hearts and they inspire us they motivate us and so i think whenever you can have an impact on someone's life it's just it makes you feel like life is worth living and long nights are worth doing you know um so that's great man that's that's amazing um before we start to wrap things up here i do want to ask you about what kind of projects are you working on right now yeah so the projects that i'm working on um musically so i have a track coming out in december called holding on um with that girl a vocalist from south africa i'm incredibly excited about the song um i worked on it for two years and uh usually things don't take me that long but this one's <laughs> this one's really special you know nice. it's it's about how you're able to pull yourself out of a really hard time and, and how you're able to get through that hard time, maybe if you you can't pull yourself out quite as much as you'd like to. And it's really personal for me. I didn't realize how personal it was going to become um, until I lost my mom. And, you know, when she died, I, I remember I was, you know, finishing up this song and I was like, these lyrics are something that I need to hear, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that as much as I hate it and as much as it's it's really horrible to like have that be the catalyst for so much art it is the only way that I've been able to really heal and through you know losing my mom it's really shaped a lot of my views on life in general and so the projects that I'm going to be working on and am working on are, are very much inspired by her how do you keep
Um, I'm working on some other original material that I'm really excited about um, in the process of writing lyrics, uh, a vocal track um, inspired by my mom um, about sort of the lack of separation once someone dies, um, the way that you're able to sort of communicate with each other in a way. I, I mean, no matter what anybody believes, I, the signs that I've seen from her, you know, the rainbows every single day, the hearts, I, it's unexplainable. I never saw them before she died. And they're all things that she was always pointing out or always, you know, it, it's all things like that. And I, 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 as much as I wish she was still here more than anything, you know, I'd throw my career away to have her here. I, I know that she would want me to use those things to heal, to live my life, to, to move forward. And so I, I feel that that's what I need to do. It's, it's about making things that need to be made to help me heal, to help me move forward. And, and I know that that's a commonality for so many people. Um, and, and also just being inspired by, by different things that I happened on this trip to lighten things up. Like I, I went to Santa Monica yesterday. I had an amazing dinner with a friend, just watching the sunset and seeing these seagulls fly and, and just at Pacific park, hearing like the, you, the, the kids scream on the roller coaster. And I'm like, I'm going to make a track about this. I'm going to make a track about this moment, this moment where I'm like, I was in a place of like, just, I have to get there just to like be in solitude and I'm around so much energy and I feel at peace. Like, how does that work? How can I create a track that has that? So I'm probably rambling here, but I'm excited no, about no, all of these things. No. And so I kind of want to combine, <clears throat> I guess, the grief aspect that I'm, I'm, you know, currently going through and was going through more so before where I really didn't feel like I could create a record about that. But now I'm, I'm, you know, it's been over a year and I feel like I can really take on a few of those projects, but I also want to focus on, you know, just every aspect of life, how I can, how I can incorporate all those experiences into music. So, uh, you know, the goal is to have a very consistent release schedule next year, um, aiming for six tracks to be released in 2023. We'll see. Um, don't want to put too much pressure on myself, but that's the goal. Um, and all of them will be inspired by very specific stories. Um, and, and one other one that I'll, I'll mention, um, I'm going to be writing a track dedicated to California as it's where I, I grew it. up. So, love it. you know, love that's, that's cool. something I'm super excited about. I've been working on the idea of that for, for a few months now, just gathering right. inspiration every time I've come back. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that one. That's probably the first thing I'm going to start on when I get back into the studio. Nice. Well, hey, there's gonna be a lot of anticipation for that California one, man. That's yeah. A, you know. <laughs> oh, and I, I, I've remixed my favorite band, The Midnight. Um, mm -hmm. I remixed their song Los Angeles, dedicated to Los Angeles. So I'm gonna be playing that Perfect. at my LA show on Saturday, November 12th. So if anybody wants to come out and see that, the nice. info's all on my Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, it's on Eventbrite, right? Correct. Uh, yes, yep. Eventbrite ticket link is yep. in my bio on my yep. link tree. Um, so yeah, you can check that out. And there will also be link also to the uh, New York show that I'm playing at the Brooklyn Monarch. Uh, there's gonna be two stages. I'm playing on the rooftop garden. Oh. There we go. And then Ooh. inside, there's gonna be uh, right after my set, Sean Tyus playing for three hours. So oh, wow. that's gonna be it's gonna be a great night. So both those shows, I'll have a bunch of new music to premiere. Um, maybe awesome. that California track, and definitely that remix of the Midnight. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. That's awesome. We're just gonna have to, we're gonna have to make our way to that November 12th show. Yeah, just you only have these two shows right now. Anything out for like December? Ah, uh, no, no nothing yet, but okay. hopefully some stuff soon. You know, I'm Perfect. I'm always looking. So also, if any promoters uh, like this interview, like my music, uh, <laughs> you can reach out to me via bookings at sequence6music.com, and we can sort something out for me to play a show. 
Perfect, perfect. Instagram is Sequence 6. At Sequence 6 Music on all platforms, actually. So. SoundCloud? Yeah, at Sequence 6 Music. So Everything. Slash Sequence 6 Music. We're super excited to hear what you what you got coming out in Thank the next you so much. in the next year. You know, we're I'm excited to see, we're excited to see where your career progresses from here. You're moving back to LA, right? Yes, yes, I am. I am. I'm moving back in January, so this will be my home base yet again. I took some time away from LA, uh, living on the East Coast for a bit, but uh, I'm excited to come back. I've I've missed LA. So 2023 is gonna be a big year for you. You're moving yes. back home. You got new music coming out. This is like a new chapter in your life. You're 21 now. Yeah. So everything is accessible. Yeah. It's, it's true. Yeah. And you're in the best city, you know, all like great music scene here. So. It is. Yeah. It is. So, so live in the Mecca. So it, this whole new chapter of your life is going to be pretty amazing. And it just, it still blows me away. You're, you're still just turned 21. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And it's just, you can have a bunch of fun. You're going to grow. You're going to meet a lot of people and, I just wish you the best, man. I Thank you. Can't wait to see the journey. And man, we're going to be there. Nice, guys. This has been another Thank great you. episode. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you guys next time.